1: It is servant leadership that does not require recognition that defines greatness in the kingdom of God. The whole world says you must step up and walk on others to be great. Get to the top by pushing others out of the side. But whoever follows Jesus must step down and deny himself or herself to be a follower of Jesus Christ.
0: That's Pastor Michael Tenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, make sure that you call us at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is there right now to take your prayer request and to pray with you. 888-244-HOPE. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oksentenko is number 16 in the Cosmic Controversy series. We brought you the first portion of this broadcast yesterday and we will conclude it now. Remember, it's called The Man Who Stepped Down. Again, The Man Who Stepped Down and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Thanks for listening today. Here is our pastor teacher, Michael Oksentenko.
1: If you want to look at the Jewish Superman, you go back and you read the story of Elijah He could run for miles without losing his wind. He could stand in the gale of a fierce, furious army and call fire down from heaven. He was Superman to the Jewish people. He was the greatest example in the Old Testament of a prophet's courage and a prophet's commitment to God. He brought the northern kingdom back to God when it had been seduced by Jezebel and Ahab and by Baal worship. He brought it back to God as he built 12 stones and created an altar unifying the nation again. And he said, If God be God, serve him. And if Baal, then serve him. And then he called with simple prayer, Fire down from God. It burned up the altar and the people said, The Lord is God. I mean, there was no greater example of the prophets in the Old Testament. Still others claimed that he was a prophet raised from the dead. Perhaps they thought of Moses, who was raised from the dead according to Jude verse 9. In any case, any one of these would have been an impressive title to have attached to your name. Christ could have clung to any one of those. He could have built a career with that credential for the rest of his life right then and there. But Jesus passed them all aside and he said, "Who do you say that I am?" Forget the titles, forget the prophetic credentials, forget the great men of today and the past. Who do you say that I am? Dear heart, what is your confession of Jesus Christ today? Who do you say that he is? I mean, what is the answer to this question in your life, your heart, right now, today? That is the salient question that we must embrace here. Dear heart, when you answer that question the right way, you have opened the door to paradise. This notion that Jesus is just some moral teacher who corrects our thinking is spiritual nonsense. Jesus is more than that or he is nothing at all. Peter said, you are the Christ of God. Now the word Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. We christen someone. It comes from the Greek word Christos. And it means to anoint. And so he's really saying you're the Messiah. You are the anointed one. Peter is saying you are the anointed one of God. That's another way of saying you're the chosen one of God. You're the ultimate man and more than man to me. I recognize you. You're not a great man. You're the man. You're not just a spiritual leader. You're the source of the Spirit. You're not just the righteous and moral one. You're God's perfect anointed one that makes us righteous and morally clean. You are God's Messiah, the man I want to follow for the rest of my life. That's what he's trying to say here. I mean, when we confess Christ, what are we confessing? That we have the right belief system, that we somehow can say the right things religiously, or that we want Jesus as the hero of our life, the captain, the Lord, the chosen one of God to be the one that leads us. Peter got it right. The Bible says that you must believe in your heart and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord to be saved. I mean, there's no such thing as a silent believer in the Scripture. There's no such notion as having a belief in Christ and not telling others about that belief, of somehow holding it to yourself and being a good witness by saying nothing. It is totally incompatible with Bible belief. Not a teacher, not a preacher, not a spiritual philosopher is Jesus. Jesus. None of these and more than this is he. Dear heart, you must confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is God's Messiah, the Lord, to be saved. Now, we don't come to church here to look good. Some of you will say, amen, right? No. We come to church to find Jesus and be saved and help others get there. Is that not why we come to church? I mean, this notion that we're trying to reconstruct some golden community that will create some warm, fuzzy kingdom feeling here, that's not what it's about. Dear heart, the pursuit of religion is Jesus. The reason for gathering is in His name. And the purpose to be here is to know Him, to have Him to be the Lord of our life, both individually and corporately. And everything else is commentary. In verse 21, Jesus told Peter to not tell it to a single soul until he should be raised from the day. He said, what you have confessed here is so important. Wait until the resurrection to make it brought. Verse 21, but he charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Now, Peter's confession was a prophetic foretaste of the proclamation of the everlasting gospel. I mean, what he said right then and there is the core and kernel of the truth that will go to the world. The gospel of Mark is the gospel according to Peter, transmitted to Mark. And Jesus put it plainly in the gospel of Mark that Peter records, Mark 16, 15, and 16. I mean, here we have the simple mission of the Christian church defined by Christ. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the whole creation. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. Now you can't get more simple than that, can you? If you believe that Christ died for your sins in accordance with the scriptures, which Paul tells us is the most important truth of the gospel. If you believe he was raised, like it says in Romans 4.25, for your acceptance. If you believe that he ever lives to make intercession for you. Christ even called the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. In Daniel seven thirteen and 14, he comes before the Ancient of Days at the end of time before the second coming to receive his kingdom. And in Daniel seven twenty one, it says, I saw that horn making war on the saints until the judgment set. And judgment was given for the saints of the Most High or in favor of them. If you believe Jesus is your advocate and proxy and substitute in the judgment too. In other words, if Jesus' life takes your life If it takes the place of your life and if you seize him as Lord and Messiah, dear heart, you will be saved according to Scripture. And the one who does not believe will be condemned just as certainly. Peter's confession gets to the heart of the matter that matters most to the heart. Faith that calls on the name of the Lord is faith in God's Messiah who is the Lord. It's a personal faith in Jesus. It's not some intellectual faith. It's when you need forgiveness, he is the source to the answer of the need. And he is the perfect man that every man and woman needs to know. So what is the single most important quality in Jesus' life that can transform your life forever? Let's ask that question. What is it in Jesus that makes him so great that he can be God's Messiah and God's anointed one? Why is he God's Messiah that must be confessed by the mouth to have life? Look at Luke 9.23. Here is that quality. And Jesus said to all, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake, he will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his own life? Jesus is saying, who you are on the inside is more important than what others think of you on the outside. And whoever follows Jesus must step down to follow him. The whole world says, step up to the plate and be great. The whole world chooses greatness that lords over others, the greatness of the great. And dear heart, that is not how it works in the kingdom of God. And it grates on the nerves of God to see this kind of greatness down here amplified out and even that manifested in the church as something good. It is servant leadership that does not require recognition that defines greatness in the kingdom of God. The whole world says you must step up and walk on others to be great. Get to the top by pushing others out of the side. But whoever follows Jesus must step down and deny himself or herself to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus denied himself to the very, the very right of life itself. He denied himself so he could save your life unto eternal life. By definition, Jesus is the man who stepped down. I mean, if you want to define him in a single phrase, "He's the man who stepped down. If you don't like that kind of hero in Jesus, if you're offended by that kind of statement, then you're ashamed of him at the deepest level, because that's who he is. And Luke 9:26. Jesus said, For "Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the kingdom of god in luke nine eighteen this whole in- interaction with Jesus happened when the disciples saw Jesus praying. I mean here he was alone praying, and that came out as the result of his prayer. Now, the prayers of Jesus had a way of just sucking them into the mind and heart of God. Now, Luke 9, 28, the scene shifts now to another prayer, another scene. And again, Jesus is praying. Verse 28, Now, about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James, and he went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his countenance was altered, and his raiment became dazzling white. Now, the disciples didn't have to wait to see Jesus coming in the glory of the Father. I mean, Christ had talked about as lightning flashes from the east and goes to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. I mean, they didn't have to wait for the future. Here it was on the mountain. That night, on the holy mountain of God, heaven was opened and the glory of God emanated from Jesus Christ, the Shekinah fire of God's glory inside of Christ that had been veiled like the burning bush began to burn on the mountain. The Greek says his garments were streaks of lightning breaking forth, piercing. It was like Tesla's electrical display that was just going off in all directions. Electrical, cosmic, godlike energy coming out of him. He was lit up that night like the fire in a stormy sky. He was the pillar of fire and cloud on the mountain that night. The Greek says his face became that of another. The God within him was shining in the face of Jesus. Christ had lived a perfect life. He had defeated the devil in the wilderness. I mean, his whole life had come to this moment. He had every right then and there to take one step higher right into heaven. This was the transition point. Suddenly, the perfect life, the life that had never sinned, was ready to ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place. He was the definition of perfection and he was shining in all the glory of God right there. The question had been asked in Psalms 24, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Christ had met the condition of a pure heart and clean hands. He was ready to go home. He could have taken one step right there and never come back. He had every right to leave and not die. He was only a step from the mountain into glory. He had met the test and the kingdom of God was his by right to take and go home to glory. He didn't have to wait for the future. Heaven was his own right there. It was his by right. It was coming out of him. He was coming to God right there. Verse 30, And behold, two men talked with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was to accomplish at Jerusalem. The Bible says two men talked with him on the mountain. No dialogue with angels anymore. The fate of humanity was wrapped up in the choices that Jesus would make, right there. So Moses and Elijah were the spokespersons for the human race. One had never died, had been caught up in a fiery chariot to God, and the other had been reclaimed from death and resurrection. And so they stood on the holy mountain of God. Together they stood, knowing that whatever decision Jesus made, their fate was in his hand. We don't have to guess at what they were saying. The Bible says they were talking about his departure that he was going to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now the original Greek literally says they were talking about his exodus. A new exodus that he would accomplish at Jerusalem. He had the opportunity to leave right there. But they were talking about him leaving, coming down the mountain and leaving at Jerusalem through the cross. So there he stood in the glory of the kingdom on the mountain. He had every right to take the next step into glory and never come back. Exit out of the dark world right then and there. He could have left it all behind because he had absolute perfection. He could have put on the royal robe and left it. He could have seized the crown again. He could have stepped into angel land, leaving the devil's dominion far behind. But he would have had to leave Moses and Elijah here too because they had no moral right to eternity unless he did something. Had he stepped into glory, had he stepped up instead of stepping down, the story would have ended for you and me too. For us to be saved, he had to step down. He had to leave the dark world in a different kind of way than that way. The cross was the only way out of this world to save us.
0: Pastor Michael Oxentenka will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over. Biblical messages of hope and Bible truth To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673.
1: Here now, once again, Pastor Michael oxen Tenko could not step up and save us. He had to step down. And so Jesus is by definition the man who stepped down. Why was Moses and Elijah there? We must ask this question this morning. Moses was the giver of the law. The entire Old Testament is built on the foundation of Moses. Moses was the first man to record sacred history in the book of Genesis. He wrote the very first letter of the Bible, and he wrote the foundation of all of Scripture. He wrote down the Ten Commandments that God spoke. Moses represents the law. I mean, this is a high-viewed individual here. Next to Moses was Elijah. Elijah was the greatest of the prophets. He stood for God in days of trouble, as I said. When the whole nation left God, he stood for God. He was a wanted man. He should have died at the hands of Jezebel, but God caught him up in a fiery chariot. He's one of the two in the Old Testament that never died. In the Jewish synagogue, there were two seats in that holy place with two lampstands that illumined the Word of God. On each side of the scroll of the ark that held the Scriptures was a lampstand. There were two on each side. And with each lampstand, one to the right, one to the left, there was a seat of Moses and Elijah in many of the synagogues. In the Jewish synagogue, the word of God was read between the seat of Moses and Elijah. What's happening on the mountain is really the best of the synagogue imagery. That night, the mountain of prayer becomes a holy synagogue. And Jesus was the word of God that stood between Moses and Elijah. Moses and Elijah, in all their glory, are pointing to a greater light in the middle. Together, they represented the age of the law and the prophets. But someone greater than them was standing in between The disciples slept through most of it. They just were, you know, zonked out. But when they woke up, they began to fix their mind on what was happening. Peter had a great idea. The man who had recognized Jesus as the Messiah of God, who just made that confession eight days earlier, he got another idea, but this time he's focusing on Moses and Elijah. Hot stuff was happening on that mountain. So Peter wanted to lead the way and to find the moment. Look at verse 33. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is well that we are here. Let us make three booths, meaning three tabernacles, three worship centers, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. The Bible is careful to write not knowing what he said. Three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for Jesus. At this point, Moses and Elijah get out of there. I mean, they don't want to be around that kind of talk. Verse 34, as he said this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Now this is a curious verse that deserves some analysis. The text says the cloud overshadowed them. It means all of them. The Greek indicates that this cloud came down, and all six, Moses and Elijah and Jesus, and then the three disciples are suddenly wrapped up in the cloud, and they entered the cloud all together. And you can imagine... That these three disciples are terrified of what they are seeing. The very next phrase says they were afraid as they entered the cloud. The cloud is the sacred cloud of the divine presence. It is the pillar of fire and cloud that led the children of Israel out of Egypt. It's the pillar of fire and cloud that Moses went up into and now they are in the same pillar of fire and cloud. In the Bible, when you study this imagery, that pillar of fire and cloud is a doorway that takes you from this world into God's presence. It is a doorway whereby God manifested his presence in the Old Testament. And you don't mess with the divine presence in the Old Testament. Another presence interrupts Peter's assertion. God stops the discussion and he ends the revelation with a personal word from himself. Luke 9.35 and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Dear heart, who are you listening to today? I mean, Who's the source of your wisdom in the church? Who are you relying on for your walk with God? I hope you're not relying on the preacher. Are you relying on someone who's a philosopher or someone who's a, a therapist? Who are you relying on? Who are you listening to in your faith walk? God said, "Listen to Jesus." Moses and Elijah were great in their day, but Jesus is the Word of God that stands in the middle." In Romans 3:21, the Apostle Paul says, "The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law and the prophets, although they bear witness to it. In other words, they're like these two lampstands. They point to the truth in the middle." He goes on to say, "The righteousness that comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ." Moses gave the law. Elijah represents all the prophets until John the Baptist. And the law and the prophets, as important as they are, can't save you. The word you need deep inside is the word of Jesus. The word of God that is the law of God given at Sinai is the life of Jesus that becomes your life when you confess him by faith. The word you need more than any other word is the word that stands at the center of the law and the prophets. They bear witness to him. The word that is illumined between the seat of Moses and Elijah, between the two lampstands, which are the two witnesses in the book of Revelation, they point to Jesus in the middle. The law is an eternal moral standard. And this idea the law is done away with is just utterly ridiculous. But the law is not your savior. Nonetheless, it points to Jesus who saves you from it, from its condemnation. The law in the end really must be alive. And Jesus is the law of God that is alive that glows with the glow of God, that is on the mountain, the holy mountain of God, and the lightning, the storm, and the cloud. And Moses and Elijah must stand aside so that Jesus will shine in his glory. In Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, In many and various ways God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He reflects the glory of God and bears the very stamp of his nature upholding the universe by his word of power and when he had made purification for sins Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high Moses and Elijah came that day to speak of his departure on the cross of Calvary Christ could have stepped into heaven right then and there on that holy mountain and never come back but for you and me to be saved he had to leave in a different kind of way than that He had to step down and go to the cross. He had to deny himself and lose his life to save your life. He didn't want to go to heaven without you. He didn't want to stand on the holy mountain of God without you standing there. He didn't want to step into glory without you stepping into glory with him. He had to step down and come down to save the human race from the face of God's displeasure with sin because in that displeasure of sin was God's holy will to make the universe clean. He could not violate it, but he didn't want to let you go. The only way to perfection, dear heart, is the cross of Christ. The only way to glory is to step down and seize the cross. You can't get to heaven any other way than the way Jesus went to heaven. Did you hear me? If you want to get to heaven without the cross, Christ didn't go to heaven without the cross. He chose to step down from the mountain of glory and seize the cross as the road and the reality that is eternal life. And when you kneel at the cross of Jesus Christ, when you really kneel at the cross of Christ, you see the glory that was gleaming on the mountain like lightning. You see the word of God that stood between Moses and Elijah, nailed between two thieves. When he was transfigured, he was in his glory. But when he is at the cross, he is in all of his glory. You see the chosen one of God, the Messiah of God, the chosen one that saves you for God. You see the face that looked like another, and you see that face looking at you. Instead of lightning, there are tears in his eyes that glistle in the storm with the light of God. And in those eyes you see forgiveness that is real, fixed in time for you. You see the feet on that wooden beam. You see the feet bleeding for you. The beautiful feet. The beautiful feet. The beautiful feet. How beautiful. The feet that stepped down to save you.
0: Well, that will conclude The Man Who Stepped Down. Today's Reaching Your Heart, a part of the Cosmic Controversy series. If you missed any portion of this broadcast, you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. And thanks for listening today. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Again, you can listen to this broadcast online at reachingyourheart.com in its entirety, along with the rest of the Cosmic Controversy series. And join us again next time. We so appreciate you listening. For Pastor Michael Oxentenko and everyone here, we do pray that God is reaching your heart.